everyone. Thank you so much for joining the Behind Company Lines podcast. Today, we have Edward Abuimov, CEO and co-founder of ETU, a startup that aims to digitalize documentation processes involved in international trade for SME exporters and importers. Edward, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm so fascinated with what you're working on, especially in the blockchain space and and the, the whole idea of digitizing information and documentation is super fascinating to me as I think it, it creates this extra layer of, of security and validation on, on so many different processes. And um, it's cool to, to kind of go into the export and import world with you. Uh, but before I go into all those questions about you know what ETU is and what you're working on, what were you doing before you started the company? Hi, Juvenia. Yeah, thank you for hosting me on the podcast. Uh, so background-wise, I come also from the background within the international trade and logistics. Uh, so I come from the family which was uh, involved in the logistics world for the last three generations. And where I have worked in the family business myself, uh, managing the procurement and supply chain management operations uh, for the international pharmaceutical distributors. Uh, working in the Eastern European region. Uh, so out of, uh, I'm aiming to solve the issues which I was facing in my previous uh, job on the databases. Yeah. What, what was like a huge, what's involved in, in the process of, of imports and exports and, you know, um, purchasing and, and moving commodities across different countries? I think a lot of us take it for granted or, or maybe don't think about, you know, how the, the sausage is made, as they say in terms of how we get the supplies we, we do receive. Um, but what's involved in that process and, and what are the layers that you have to consider uh, being in this business, in this industry? Sure. So the shocking thing is, is that the majority of international trade nowadays is still relies on uh, paper documentation. So when you have an international shipment, for example, you're importing something from China, let's say to the USA. Uh, you, when the supplier um, uploads their goods uh, onto the ship, they would get the document issued to them called the bill of lading, which represents right of ownership for the cargo. It's a title, uh, title document for the shipment issued in the paper format. Uh, when the supplier receives this document, they would wait to receive the payment uh, from the buyer of the goods in the U.S. And then in exchange for money, they would actually send this paper document to the USA. And the buyer in the USA would use this document to claim the goods at the local office or in the USA at the port of destination to claim the goods. So the right of ownership for the cargo actually uh, hinges on this piece of paper being sent across the law. And obviously yeah. the shipments can get much more complicated. For example, advanced financing is involved, cargo insurance, etc. All of it relies on this yeah. piece of paper, but being exchange and validated between the members of the supply chain. Wow. So it, it what is the process like when it's you know in transit is it pretty much up in the air i mean it sounds like you purchase it you have this order and then you claim it and in between that process what's going on that that um i feel like if i had to wait for that duration of time I, I'd, I'd be a little concerned you know there's um I, maybe a lot that can happen if, if you don't have it immediately i think that's something that we're so accustomed to as as people now um is, is having such an immediate um you know transaction but what's involved in kind of the middle processes and, and how do you secure, you know, your goods um, from the point of when you purchase it to the point uh, from which you claim it? Sure. So in many cases in international trade transactions, the escrow accounts, uh, account providers will be involved. This might be financial organizations or most commonly banks which provide the escrow account service where they would uh, hold the payment for the goods in the escrow account. 
And then yeah. they pretty much receive both the bill of lading, which gives them the right of ownership for the goods, as well as documentation, the payment for the goods. And they pretty much perform the swap and uh, charge around 1% of the transaction value uh, simply for kind of providing uh, this uh, service. Uh, so pretty much yeah, it kind of relies on their, uh, the paper, the documentation being sent to the bank, validated, and they charge you money for, for the security of Paolo and for like a piece of your mind, uh, because you know that the, the one is going to yeah. screw you. Yeah. 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 What, what's, um, j- just out of curiosity, um, when you're going through this whole procedure and, and this whole process, um, what are some of the errors that can take place that, you know, I, I guess creates uh, issues within or challenges that you have to overcome um, in, in this particular uh, industry? You know, what are some of the errors? Is it human error? Is it, is it, is it um, any error with technology uh, that disrupts the, you know, the, the transaction process or, or is it something else? There are actually multiple things which can go wrong with the paper documentation because I've been there, uh, uh, this uh, crucial skill in managing that transaction. Uh, first one and like the simplest one is getting mistakes in the actual bill of lading. And, uh, from kind of personal experience, uh, because you don't have the visibility through the documents before, uh, you actually receive the, the paper document at the port of destination, there's high probability that there will be slight mistakes in the documents, which can, uh, completely change the way the shipment goes. Uh, kind of the anecdotal stories, which, uh, we've heard from speaking to our customers was when we are working right now yeah. is for example, they would receive the bill of lading where the wrong terminal in the same port, uh, would be indicated on the bill of lading. This company, they first of all, uh, Coca-Cola from Latin America to the Baltic region to Estonia, and they could not actually unload this, uh, ship of Coca-Cola, uh, from the ship until the, uh, their supplier in Latin America would cancel the documents which were sent to them by conducting the shipping company, issuing the new set of documents and sending it all over from Latin America to the Baltics, uh, which takes some time and costs money, uh, which yeah. damage and storing the goods actually at the port of destination. And that's like the slight mistakes within the naming of this terminal within the same board, but then it blocks an entire supply chain. Yeah. Well, and, and, and how, I guess, is, you know, ETU solution helping, um, that process? Is it, is it with the documentation? Is it, um, is it with the communication, the accuracy? What are, what are you doing to help kind of create a better process within this, um, within this industry? Uh, what we're doing is in essence quite simple, but has kind of multiple, uh, levels of complexity, which we have to solve to, uh, to enable this. We are pretty much digitalizing this document, uh, allowing to sort of sending the pieces of paper, uh, across, uh, across the world to send it in the digital format. However, what's important was a bill, bill of lading, uh, is that you have to keep the mutable record of ownership of the document uh, at any given point in time. And you can only have one copy. So you cannot have multiple copies of the document because the multiple parties have a claim towards cargo. So the way we are solving this issue, uh, we're using blockchain technology in order to replicate physical properties of the bill, paper bill of lading in the digital world. So each bill of lading on our platform is issued as a separate, uh, non-fungible token NFT, which is exchanged between the members of the supply chain and giving this, yeah. uh, physical like properties to the bill of lading in the digital world. Yeah. Uh, uh, and how is that physical kind of, you know, documentation, uh, have you created some kind of, um, you know, similar template online and within your software, um, uh, and are there any kind of regulatory like, um, um, 
uh, restrictions to creating kind of documentation online? Sure. So the way on the legal side and structure wise, we uh, follow the uh, international set guidelines for the information, which has to be contained within the bill of lading. But with our platform as well, it's quite flexible. So the outlook of the bill of lading can be uh, changed within the like, online editing uh, structure. And you can also upload the pre-issued bill of lading, uh, which was created in the, for example, shipping yeah. company, general uh, system onto the platform. On the legal side, we, we managed uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, replication of uh, the paper mm-hmm. document uh, within our platform is that all of the parties which sign up to the platform, they uh, affect our terms and conditions, uh, which say that they would honor the paper version of the building as an alternative uh, paper-based uh, document. Yeah, they kind of, uh, when they sign up to the platform, uh, they agree to honor the document issued on the platform. Yeah. That's incredible. It's it's awesome that you've kind of created that layer. I I can see how that kind of creates a lot of um, impact on on just you know avoiding a lot of errors or a lot of situations where um, you know things aren't aren't completed in the transaction process. Um, the the world is interesting in terms of like shipping and logistics and and especially recently you know you we hear about at least in the U.S. there's a lot of strikes you know so things are being a little bit halted in, in the supply chain process. Um, but I guess globally, where has, um, you know, where have goods and services changed over time, you know, maybe from COVID or in the past that you've seen? And what are the, the newer things that people are purchasing more of um, that you've seen? And, and I don't know if you have an insight there, but I'm so curious on on kind of how goods are, are evolving in the world. Um, is there anything you can speak to that in any change that you've seen in, in the types of goods that we're purchasing? Saying there is a significant shift in terms of the types of goods which are purchased. General trend, uh, both before COVID and uh, right now, is uh, in containerization of trains. More and more they are transported in containers rather than in bulk. So, uh, not the finished goods rather than commodities, but even some commodities are now transported in containers as bulk. But I would say the big trend which I would uh, like to mention is the push for digitalization which came from the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, because the interesting thing uh, happened during the COVID, um, many supply chains to rely on paper-based documentation have been significantly impacted, especially in Asia, where there, there were very strict uh, COVID-19 uh, restrictions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the paper documents, they had to be issued in the local offices of freight forwarding companies and shipping companies. Employees were not allowed to go into the office, so they couldn't physically stamp and sign the documents, which hold to the supply chains. And uh, another interesting thing, which not many people know, uh, a lot of uh, express courier posts, which is usually used to deliver uh, trade documentation, is delivered in the cargo compartments of passenger planes. Because the large majority of passenger planes were canceled during COVID, documents are not delivered on time, and uh, people simply cannot claim their uh, cargo at the port of destination, which was physically there, because the documents were not delivered uh, uh, pretty much by the courier service companies. My question was, are you seeing the adaptation of uh, digitalizing documentation um, in other areas outside of what you're working on? Well, uh, in terms of uh, digitalizing in other areas other than we are working on dreaming within the say, shipping and logistics space or uh, wider within like other industries. Other industries kind of on a wider wider scale. 
para say yes uh, i would say that in the financial logistics and shipping space one of the last to kind of digitize the uh paper-based implementation processes after uh, i think that digitization which is happening within our industries is kind of uh spreading into the subtle like an adjacent uh, areas and sectors for example trade finance and cargo insurance uh, because uh, once you digitize this uh, like an cornerstone of the international trade transaction, you are able to spread the digitalization uh, into other adjacent industries. So I would say yes, and specifically in the cargo insurance and trade finance space. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always, um, you know, I was reading your bio and I was um, diving deep into, you know, the startup and, and kind of how you were able to get backed by different stakeholders or different investors and and other um, institutions and things like that. How was it communicating the value to say the UK government? Um, as I know you, you were able to get back by the UK government, research and innovation, other other technology investors, tech startups, accelerator. How, how was that conversation about um, with, you know, I, I've talked to founders about fundraising through, you know, accelerator groups and, and kind of traditional means. Um, but I'm always curious on, on kind of getting into the weeds of what it takes to get a, a, a government body behind your product, because I think you know when you add that add that layer of of um, uh, of kind of validation or um, you know kind of a big player in that space who who can kind of have a lot of uh, you know compliance and regulatory effects on your product. How how were those conversations showing them the value of of you know ETU and and what it could do, um, and what were some of the compelling reasons that you think. Um, help them get on board with a product like yours? So the big role, once again, COVID late in uh, um, uh, getting backed by uh, the UK government research patient council, uh, because they had a specific program, which was launched in response to COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the, of the funding programs that they had uh, was to support the innovation, which would help to make the uh, UK businesses more resilient uh, the, the challenges of COVID-19 pandemic and the yeah. challenges which uh, they have faced was one of the things. Uh, so pretty much that's, uh, that's how we got this backing. Uh, then, yeah. 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 It, it, it's fascinating to kind of piggyback off of um, the, the, the need that everyone was facing, you know, especially in uh, during that time when we all needed or that industry needed a solution and, and kind of creating a solution that was very much, um, you know, not only fulfilling those needs, but also it's, it's awesome to see that it's something that was also accelerating the um, the kind of uh, technology and adaptation. You know, it, it seems like it skipped the step. You know, it was not necessarily digitized, but now it's on blockchain um, and has this extra layer that um, that it needed. Um, tell us a little bit about the traction. Who are you working with? You know, what what companies? Uh, what kind of growth you're seeing? Um, all kind of you know from conception. You've kind of built this product. Now it's time to to grow and and, and excel and um, strengthen your partnerships, who you're working with, and, and what are some numbers around growth that you were excited about? Sure. So we are still relatively early stage. So we are uh, haven't launched to develop the market yet, but we have some pilots, uh, including uh, with uh, five biggest uh, ship companies in the world, as well as with a number of solar uh, across Europe. Uh, we have been able to really bring significant cost and type savings, uh, uh, as well as reduction in errors uh, in during those pilots and shown uh, some quite uh, nice, we know, uh, unsafe for our clients. 
So we yeah. are able to launch the open market in the next uh, six months. Uh, and uh, yeah, we must convert our uh, existing pilots into the subscription customers and uh, start uh, start rolling. But right now we're still against in this uh, piloting and testing stage. Yeah, yeah. W- what are some of the biggest risks that uh, ETU faces today? In terms of uh, the big risk, I would say first, uh, the long-term cycles and conservatism uh, within the logistics industry is uh, yeah. quite hard to onboard the customers and they tend to be uh, going big organizations with long decision-making cycles. So I would say this is quite significant risk which we're aiming to solve. Uh, um, uh, another one is pretty much, I would say the investment and fundraising side and brief take dice that's the question. Uh, but to be honest, it was quite complicated to us uh, because kind of conveying uh, the idea and explaining how it works, uh, especially to generalist investors, we spent quite some time figuring it out and uh, finding the right way to uh, explain what we are working on. Uh, in, in the majority of the cases, uh, some people didn't even believe in the first place that that's the way the industry uh, works nowadays. Uh, nowadays, and it uh, kind of takes some time and it takes uh, some, let's say, fails to understand how to convey and explain what we are working on in the right way. So I would say yeah. in the first challenge, like long sales cycles and the ability to convince quite conservative industries uh, to embark on this journey of digitization and some of this uh, fundraising and conveying uh, quite niche specialized idea at uh, investors. Yeah. How, how do you communicate an innovative product like this to, you know, an industry that has been doing something that similar for, for years and, and is fairly archaic, but to them, there was maybe not necessarily the a large need outside of COVID recently um, to have, you know, a new digital digitalization and, and adaptation of, of um, better, stronger, and more um, effective technology. How do you go through the, the communication process? What's the pitch that, that you give them to convince them? Sure. So first of all, we are trying to uh, make it as, as simple as possible, both in terms of the user experience of our platform, as well as the way we kind of pitch and present it. Uh, and I think the best way to kind of convey the benefits of uh, using the platform is pretty much to give the live demo, uh, give our customers and our pilot partners has the ability to actually use the platform, uh, kind of play around with it and see what they can achieve compared to what they're doing right now. Uh, so that's what, what we're trying to do once we get the chance to have all with a uh, person inside the company, but we'll give them that we'll give them the chance to, you know, play around yeah. with the platform and see what they, uh, what they can achieve. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of, you know, onboarding and handholding and, and, and really just understanding how they're uh, going through the user experience to to really identify, um, you know, not only what features are are useful, but also how it actually impacts their day to day operations. Um, what are the, what are some of the questions that your team asked that help uh, uncover the user experience and and create better ways to adopt a product like this, um, so that when you launch it. It, it can be more widely used. I would say going through the process with the customers. Uh, so initially we had uh, something called like shadow shipments where we would have the shipment where the documents would still be issued in the form and we would issue them on our platform as well. And follow the entire process step-by-step step to see every stage where we can provide for customers. Uh, because in many cases, uh, there's like a, uh, Crushing like hidden, uh, hidden on those where even the customer 
you understand that there is an issue at the uh, certain station process. But until you kind of see it, you see how your technology actually can help them and like to solve those issues. So kind of, I would say going through the process uh, with the customer and uh, monitoring and listening to your customer's feedback is uh, what will help us a lot, a lot in terms of our product development. Yeah. What, um, what makes your job hard? Well, there's a lot of things to be honest, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, yeah, kind of covering, uh, sensors, uh, to, to the question, even covering the answers, but understanding which, uh, which questions to ask customers, uh, understanding how to reward with big company and how to convince them to embark on the innovation journey. Uh, yeah, let's see those are fascinating yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. If everything goes well, what's the long-term vision for ETU? Uh, long-term vision for us is to actually enable the digitalization of the entire, uh, international trade uh, procedure. So we see this digitalization documents as a first kind of stepping stone, uh, towards automation, digitalization of, of all other processes involved in the international trade transaction. Uh, so, uh, because of the, uh, bill of lading, which represents right of ownership with the, it's issued on the blockchain, uh, yeah. it opens up the smart contracts to automate other processes involved in order than the national shipment, including escrow accounts, uh, trade finance origination, et cetera. Uh, so as that will, we want to automate the entire, uh, kind of transporter shipment procedures, and uh, I can make it that transporter shipment ordering as easy as doing something on Amazon. I believe this yeah, would be kind of our uh, end goal. That's incredible. I, I, and I'm excited to see the, the the way that affects the whole industry. And especially, you know, it seems like if that component is ex extremely uh, efficient and effective, you know, the consumer will have a lot of, um, you know, effects in, in terms of maybe the, the speed at which they get their products, the, um, the, the confidence that they'll get them on time or, or within a certain time period. Um, it's exciting to see how not only to, it'll trickle down to, to the effects of the consumer. Um, I always like to ask this question, one for selfish purposes, but also for my audience. Um, what are some of, you know, the books or, or people that have influenced you the most either early in your career, or even now as you're you know, building something that's uh, extremely innovative? Uh, I would say uh, the one that the influential ones was, uh, uh, Scrum, uh, so pretty much understanding the concept of Scrum and managing the yeah. development process, uh, in this way, uh, I would say this was an important, uh, concept for us, uh, which we had implemented within the team and which had the tremendous impact on communication within the team and the cycles, et cetera. So I'm a big fan of our, the Scrum approach towards software development, but generally the uh, management, yeah. uh, the team and product management in general. And uh, people-wise, uh, we uh, help kind of an advisor who's working besides uh, uh, as part of our team, I think. Uh, she had experience previously in logistics, but then she kind of transitions towards this world was allowed kind of early investor board uh, startups from like kind of pre-seed stage uh, towards like CBSB and big deals. I'll uh, kind of getting his perspective both from the industry right now, but as uh, from, I would say, the company building and startup uh, life cycle background uh, was very important for us. Uh, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible to have, you know, some, some key people around you. I'm, I'm sure it, it helps, um, you know, the process of building a startup and, and making moves and being strategic that much easier and, and, um, and that much more expedited in, in your learning process. Um, I would like to, you know, I know we're coming close to time, but I would like to ask founders, where can we be a part of the support of your product, the, the idea, the conception? If I was a customer, where can we find you? What are your LinkedIn, your websites, your Twitters? Uh, where can we be a part of the mission that ETU is, uh, is driving? Sure. So if you're uh, working uh, within the logistics or a trade space, or if you're an investor interested within this space on what we are working on, uh, so website is etu.co.uk. Uh, the LinkedIn is, uh, you can just type ETU and you can find our page. Uh, always more than happy to chat, uh, yeah, provide additional answers to any questions that you might have. And, uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, Edward, thank you so much for being on the show. It's so exciting to talk to companies that are doing something with, with technology and in, you know, industries that have, um, you know, such incumbent processes and, and have such a pedigree to, and propensity to do things the same way over and over again. Um, but that their technology is disrupting it in a positive way that, that really will have a global impact. Um, and I know it's, it's right now on, on a smaller scale, but I can't wait to see how it grows. And I'm excited to have the audience kind of follow your journey as well. So thank you again for being on the show and I hope you enjoyed yourself. And, um, and, uh, it, it, last question for you, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? Um, not really. I think we kind of uh, covered uh, most of it. Thank you, Jervin, uh, for having me on the podcast. This is my first time on the podcast, so I hope it turned out well. And yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and um, good to have it. Yeah, no, thank you as well. Uh, I hope to see you next time. Thank you.